Welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. If you remember back to the fall of 2022, my traveling companion Bev and I podcasted from Paris, France, and then from Porto, Coimbra, and Lisbon, Portugal. Well, Bev, we're excited to be on another European adventure. We are, and this one is an adventure. So how about today we talk about our five days in Budapest? Sounds great. We've entitled this episode, It Might Be the Paris of the East, But That Palenka Is Toxic. (laughs) Budapest straddles the Danube River in north-central Hungary. The population is about 1.7 million, and the metro area has about 3 million people. It makes it the ninth largest city in the European Union. Hungary itself has a lengthy and sometimes sordid history, as do many Eastern European countries. But today Budapest is a center of commerce and finance, media, art, fashion, research, technology, education and entertainment. So Bev, you knew that um, Budapest has a nickname of Paris of the East, but do you know some of the other nicknames? I don't think I do. Ah, I checked it out. It's also known as the Heart of Europe, the Queen of the Danube, the Pearl of the Danube, Mm. Capital of Freedom, Capital of Spas and Thermal Baths, and Capital of Festivals. Well, there you go. So that gives you a good idea right there of what a great city Budapest is. When you arrive in Budapest, the first thing that stands out is just the beauty of the city along the Danube, which is crisscrossed by artistic bridges and is lined with churches, government buildings, a castle, a palace, and all are just engineers' dream. It's the most easy city to navigate uh, with a four-line metro system, a 30-line tram, and the ticket machines are so easy to operate. We stayed on the edge of downtown Pest, which is just a perfect location for seeing the whole city. So Bev, tell us about how we spent our first day in Budapest. Day one was a busy day for us as we got to know the city a little. As Deb mentioned, the city sits on both sides of the Danube, Buda to the west and Pest to the east. Unlike some other European cities, for instance Prague, Budapest doesn't have an actual historic core. Downtown Pest is split into two sections, Leopold Town in the north and Belvaros, or inner town, to the south. These were the areas that we visited on our first full day in the city. From our hotel, we headed to the Danube, which is at this point definitely looking more like the brown Danube than the blue Danube (laughs) of song. Across the street from the many river cruise boats in dock sits the Marcius 15 Terror, or March 15th Square. The square is bordered by the town center parish church, the oldest building in Pest, and the Orthodox church with its mismatched steeples. The right one was blown off in World Mm. War II. Budapest has statues everywhere. Mm. I think another nickname could be the city of statues. And strolling down the waterfront, we passed many. From the national poet Petofi to Greek gods outside of Starbucks, 
<laughs> and whimsical favorites like the little princess and a girl and her dog. The statues dot the promenade as you gaze across the river at Buddha on the opposite bank. The view is spectacular. For those who choose not to walk along the Danube promenade, the number two tram ride along the, along the promenade is said to be one of Europe's most scenic rides. Vorismarty Ter is a hub of activity in the town center, where a statue of the poet Mahali Vorismarty presides at the north end of the square. It sits as the, and at the north end of the square sits the landmark cafe, Gerbrod Cafe. Mm -hmm. It's considered to be the meeting place in Budapest and well worth a look inside to appreciate its grandeur. And the bathrooms. Yes, very nice. The M1 Metro stops just out in front of the cafe. This shallow underground sits just below ground level and was the first subway on the European continent. The Vaseutka pedestrian street runs through Central Pest. This street is crammed with tourists visiting the multitude of souvenir shops and sidewalk cafes. We chose to follow the advice of many and give it a miss. Mm -hmm. We continued north to the Leopold district. This area is dominated by the massive and ornate Hungarian parliament building. Built in the late 1800s to celebrate the Hungarian millennium of 1896, the building is a mixture of architectural styles. I think it may be the most grandiose parliament building mm. we have mm -hmm. seen in our travels. We couldn't get too up and close to the building on the day we were there, as the adjacent Kothas Square was roped off. They are preparing for a papal visit the next week. A striking sight along the Danube in this area is the Holocaust mm -hmm. Memorial. Fifty pairs of bronze shoes commemorate the Jews massacred with their bodies falling, mm. falling into the river when the Nazi's puppet government, the Arrow Cross, came to power in 1944. It's really quite striking. And I understood the... Then they tried to sell the shoes. Oh, gee. Yeah. yeah. We then wandered through Liberty Square with its striking fountains and statues. And finally, we visited St. Isvan or St. Stephen's Basilica. This is Budapest's largest church, and although it looks very old, it also was built for the 1896 celebrations. The interior is dimly lit, but beautifully decorated with gold. Day one was definitely a day of wonderful sights. The architecture in these areas was amazing. Yeah, that was a wonderful day, and I think that shoe exhibit was uh, probably my favorite part of the day. It was really touching. Mm -hmm. Well, on day two, we took a short metro and bus ride out of town to Memento Park. Now, Memento Park contains statues that were salvaged from Hungary's communist era between about 1945 and 1989, and also contains exhibits of life under dictatorship. And what really stood out for me was the size and grandeur of those statues. I think there was about 40 statues and it was clearly an attempt to convince the populace that everyone supported the status quo. We call that propaganda, I think. <laughs> it's important to note that this isn't a monument glorifying communism. As the developer states, it's about dictatorship and democracy. 
because it's only with democracy that we can fully think of dictatorship. And I really love that line. And this is just well worth the side trip out of the main town. And it was interesting that that it's not glorified. It isn't a really fancy mm-hmm. concrete area. It's they're just put there for you to look at. Yeah. Not at all commercial. Mm-hmm. And later that day we made a quick trip to Market Hall in Central Pass, but that was a mistake because it was lunchtime and it was packed. So I think Bev's going to tell us a little bit more about that later. So we just headed off the downtown area into the Jewish quarter. And Budapest has a large Jewish history dating to oh, about 1407. And we stopped at the Great Synagogue and just marveled at the outside. But to be honest, we felt that the price to tour it was a little bit too steep. I think it came to about $35 for two people. There is an amazing statue at the back, however, called the Emmanuel Tree or Tree of Life. And it's made up of thousands of silver leaves in the shape of a weeping willow. And each one of those is inscribed with names of thousands of Jewish Holocaust victims. And it was just a really beautiful statue. We then strolled through the Jewish section along Kaczynski Street. I think it should also be called Party Central myself. (laughs) And here were the original ruin bars. Now, ruin bars were traditionally places in dilapidated, shabby old buildings and warehouses where young men could drink alcohol cheaply. There are a few of the original bars left, but now it's mostly open area or open air drinking areas, and the prices aren't as cheap as they were before. One really neat area there was the caravan food truck park with about Oh, 12 or so different food trucks with many types of food and drinks and we returned there for supper the next evening. The Jewish Quarter contains many small shops and uh, many traditional tailor shops that stood out and we thought those were really interesting. We walked up to the Terror Museum and the Terror Museum is dedicated to victims of the communist and fascist regimes and was built right on the site where victims were tortured and killed. And to be honest, we felt it was a little bit underwhelming and if your time in Budapest is limited, um, I wouldn't suggest to put it at the top of the list. No, I agree, Deb. It may be aimed more at the actual Hungarian populace as an educational exhibit for them, I think. It didn't quite give us what we thought we would get out of it. exactly. Now, one of our party chose not to go with us to the Terror Museum, but he did have a great afternoon hunting out the uh, many record and bookshops that uh, are in Budapest. So, Beth, what did we do on day three? Well, on day three... We crossed the Liberty Bridge to Buda oh. on the other side of the, the Danube. We first climbed Gellert Hill to the Liberation Monument. This is a very large monument of a woman holding aloft a palm branch. Unfortunately, there is construction at the monument and we could, we could get quite close, but not right up to it. It was a lovely walk though, and not too strenuous. <laughs> We strolled down the hill then, past the Citadella, which is the remains of a fortress that was built on the hill in 1848. 
Continuing along the Danube, we entered the castle gardens at the Vakert Bazaar and took a quick escalator up to the Buddha Royal Palace. But again, there is extensive reconstruction and renovation taking place there, and it was a sunny Saturday afternoon. Consequently, there were a lot mm -hmm. of people. So we made our way around and walked alongside the castle, taking in a number of the prominent statues that are there, as well as the exterior of the Sandor Palace. This is home to the office of the Hungarian president. He holds a largely ceremonial position. The prime minister is actually the head of the government. From the fisherman's bastion, we took in a beautiful panoramic view of the pest across the Danube. Mm -hmm. We passed by Matthias Church, a beautiful building that has been rebuilt a number mm -hmm. of times over the centuries. Um, due to the crowds, we chose not to check out the interior that day. Leaving the hill, we strolled through a number of neighborhoods and stopped for a coffee break at a small, interesting cafe, one that dates back to the communist days mm -hmm. and hasn't <laughs> changed much since then. It, it was really fun. Uh, the, Pastries and coffee were excellent. We finished the afternoon with a stroll along the, the Danube on the Buddha side, stopping in at some delightful squares and a um, couple of very nice little churches on our way. On day four, we filled our day, a beautiful Sunday, with a visit to City Park, Varoslijet. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. That might be close. close enough. <laughs> Our Hungarian was not, we are not fluent no. in Hungarian. <laughs> what a park. It's about 1.2 kilometers square and it's entered by the magnificent Heroes Square, which is a World Heritage Site. And the Heroes Square is a massive um, gate of statues of famous Hungarian leaders and the Memorial Stone of Heroes. It's at the end of the luxurious Andrassy Avenue or Andrassy Ut, which could be considered Budapest Champs-Élysées. And the uh, Hero Square is cornered by the Museum of Fine Arts and the Palace of Arts. And major events and protests are held here. City Park is just stunning for its uh, green spaces, play areas, playgrounds, sports areas, a castle, and the lake for boating or skating in winter, but when we got there, it must be between <laughs> seasons because it was all cement. We just fell in love with two museums within the park, the Museum of Ethnography and the Hungarian House of Music, which are both architectural delights. The Museum of Ethnography is shaped like a giant skateboard park with two ends, like two triangles, and an open space in the middle. And the outside has over half a million pixels of pictures that look like Hungarian lace. But what I really loved was the stairway outside climbing way, way up the slope to the rooftop garden. And there you just have magnificent views of the park and the city. And I think you said, Deb, that the garden itself was quite interesting. Yeah, I didn't uh, really check that out, but um, from walking up, it looked like it covered the different uh, ecosystems with, you know, at the bottom, you might have more uh, flowers for warm weather climates. And by the time you get up to the top, you've got kind of the low uh, shrubs and plants that we're more used to in Canada, actually. Mm -hmm. 
The Hungarian House of Music is a glass round building made to replicate a forest and there are holes in the outside canopy so the sycamore trees could grow right through and there are thousands of golden shapes that replicate leaves all over the outside and the inside and we stopped there for a delicious little lunch looking over the uh, city park and it was just the most unique and beautiful building it was just wonderful. We strolled back to our hotel, uh, down again the Andrassy Avenue, and again back through the Jewish Quarter. And on our way we stopped into view what is known as the world's most beautiful restaurant. Uh, we took some pictures, but uh, actually to get a seat it was about 7 euros, so um, we didn't stay. Just to sit. Yeah, just to sit. <laughs> and finally, Bev, how did you, or how did we fill our day five? Day five was kind of our recoup day where we um, just strolled around the neighborhoods, tried to return to the Central Market one more time. Yeah. <laughs> but again, and we've read this in different places, the Central Market has become a real tourist hub. Um, the main floor where there's many stalls of pr produce, beautiful produce and um, things like caviar and goose liver and all of those sorts of things and paprika paprika everywhere Huge. of course <laughs> yeah Hungarian paprika is the the thing here um, it was not too bad and we were able to wander around some of the stalls and look at things but then we ventured up to the upper floor where they have little eating stalls and could not move, it was so busy. So we quickly left there and found a cafe on the side of the street with great Hungarian goulash soup and just sort of took in the life um, of the people on the streets. And then that evening returned to our favorite Hungarian mm -hmm. restaurant for uh, one last um, Hungarian meal. Yeah, day five is a real catch up day and um when you're on the road, traveling is wonderful, but it is good to have some downtime for sure. Uh, we visited the laundromat also on that yeah. day. I did forget. Yeah, I was going to say, after the laundromat. <laughs> yes. Um, my partner and I, of course, had coffee and baking at a modern-day uh, coffee house. Before walking back across the Liberty Bridge to the Buddha side, and we went the other direction this time, away from the castle and palace, and... Uh, we walked by the beautiful University of uh, Technology and Economics, which is right along the Danube. And the building alone would be a magnificent structure in any country. And um, that university is actually the first in Europe to train engineers at a university level. So we found that interesting. So before we end, we just have to mention the food in Budapest because we found it was uh, really quite amazing. Beth, um, what were some of the maybe traditional foods that we had? Well, we, as I mentioned, tried the goulash soup. And, and in North America, when we hear goulash, we seem to think of a stew. But actually, goulash is a soup here, a, a beef vegetable with little bits of homemade mm -hmm. noodles in it, um, and uh, lots of paprika. It was delicious. And then the Hungarian stew, which we think of as goulash, was also excellent. Um, breaded cutlets are great and again uh, you probably may recall us in the fall discussing pastries oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh the pastries we visited a strudel house famous oh, for yeah. its strudel the flaky pastry with great fillings and we stopped on the street for a chimney cake oh, one right. day yeah 
Um, it's basically pastry rolled, wrapped around a spindle. <laughs> they cover it in sugar and then they slowly bake it in a rotisserie so it becomes this caramelized pastry. And then you can have it with many toppings. We chose just a dusting of cinnamon and it was wonderful. Did you have a favorite Hungarian food? I think my favorite Hungarian food just might be that chimney cake. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say the strudel because well, oh, that was mine. I had the plum strudel. It was yes. amazing. And we can't forget palenka. Oh, yes. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> told us we should try palenka. Yeah, we'd read so much about it. Now, palenka is a, an alcoholic drink fermented exclusively with fruits um, from Hungary. And now the kicker is that I understand it has to have an alcohol content of something like at least 35% and up to 86%. Um, so of course, one night in our hotel, we thought we're going to try Palenka. I guess we thought we were going to have something that was nice and I mean, really alcoholic, but really sweet. So we ordered the Palenka and uh, one of us downed it and the other three of us sipped us. I couldn't even get through. And uh, just to quote one of my cat, uh, traveling companions it was like gas for the camping stove <laughs> couldn't even get it, it down <laughs> it was yep yeah. and and we ordered different flavors yeah, cherry right. plum pear. apricot pear they, to me they all tasted the same they didn't have any taste <laughs> no no <laughs> so that was our visit to the amazing city of budapest and one other activity which we chose not to do this time but my partner and i did in 2017 and it's a great way to spend a, a day or an afternoon is to walk through the marguerite island which is in the middle of the danube and it's just a delightful respite of walking paths and playgrounds and foliage and old ruins a spa gardens um, there might be pop-up bars and food stands and you can easily reach it by a nice long walk or a tram or a boat ride. Well, Beth, that was quite a stay in Budapest. What was your overall impression? Um, I loved it. it it's a, a city that is very, uh, well, one of our traveling companions often says I could live here <laughs> yeah. when we're in a city and Budapest you certainly could live in. The people are young and energetic. They are moving forward. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, the architecture, I felt like my head was on a swivel sometimes looking around. I definitely highly recommend a visit to Budapest. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And please check back in a week or so as we hope to be podcasting from Istanbul, Turkey. And oh, if you visit Budapest, watch out for that palanca. It's toxic. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.